Hey, church family. Welcome back to the Leroy UMC podcast. This week, we're beginning a new series for Advent, and it's called Keep the Light On. It's getting darker earlier this time of year, and it's easy for us to disconnect from each other and stay cozy in our warm homes. I hope this message helps you to see that God is there even in the darkness. Well, friends, hopefully, as you've been able to tell from uh, all the decorations around us, and again, Christmas songs that almost the second Thanksgiving is done start getting uh, blasted at us in our cars, uh, this is the first Sunday of Advent. The Christmas season has officially begun. And so this morning, we are starting a new uh, worship series together, a new Christmas series. uh, And our series is called uh, Keep the Light On. Uh, And there's two reasons for that. One, because as we'll talk about later on in the service, uh, our special uh, ministry, our special offering for December is going to a ministry that's going to provide solar lights for a uh, United Methodist mission statement uh, in Liberia, Africa. But also because I guess the symbolism of light and dark is a symbolism that runs all throughout the Advent story. It's just about everywhere. Uh, There's Joseph and Mary uh, finding the light of the inn in a dark night, the shepherds in a dark field who see the light of the angel, the magi following the light of a star in a dark night. Uh, The theme is everywhere, and that's very intentional. So all throughout this month, we'll be exploring that theme of light and dark and the light that shines in the dark uh, as we prepare our hearts to celebrate the light that shines in the darkness and worship God in order to keep that light on in our lives. And this morning, as we start our series, uh, we are taking a look at two scripture readings. Uh, The first is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, and the second, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 5 through 17. But friends, listen now for the word of the Lord from John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Oh, sorry, we may uh, start with Luke. (laughs) Shifting a little bit. Uh, But Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 17. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, for they were both very old. Once Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as priest before God. He was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying just outside. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. 
is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And friends, from the Gospel of John, chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Friends, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Christmas doesn't begin where we think. Christmas doesn't begin with Mary and Joseph beside a warm manger, or with shepherds keeping watch over their flocks, or with magi on a long road. That's what always gets the attention every Christmas season and what we focus on, but the Christmas story begins with an ordinary, over-the-hill-looking retirement-in-the-eye priest named Zechariah. That's where Luke starts his Christmas story. Not with Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem or Nazareth, but with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Luke tells us that Zechariah was a priest who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, meaning that he was one of the privileged few who at the temple in Jerusalem not only oversaw all of the sacred rituals that went on before God, but he was one of the few who was allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies itself, the innermost room at the heart of the whole temple complex where the Spirit of God was actually thought to dwell on the earth. And in Luke chapter 1, that, is where Zechariah goes in verse 9 when we're told that he was chosen by Lot to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Everyone else waits outside. Only one person was allowed inside the Holy of Holies, and only on the rarest of occasions. With fear and trembling, Zechariah steps around the enormous temple curtain that blocks off the room. He walks into the very presence of God itself and instantly finds himself in complete and total darkness. That's something about the Holy of Holies that few people stop to appreciate. Most people have probably heard about the Holy of Holies and know that it's the most sacrosanct place where the Ark of the Covenant was kept and where God dwelled, but it's 
a solid stone room at the center of a massive temple complex with a heavy curtain guarding and blocking the one doorway in, meaning that the actual room, the Holy of Holies itself, would have been pitch black. As strange as it sounds, going before the presence of God at the Temple of Jerusalem would have been a bit like stepping into a silent, starless, moonless night. The one and only light in the entire room would have come from a single lamp or a single candle kept burning before the Lord. You can almost imagine Zechariah having to feel his way through the dark to get to the altar to burn incense, trying to find his way through kind of an ominous emptiness of a darkness that completely enveloped him. The most tragic thing, though, about Zechariah and the story is that Zechariah isn't just lost physically in the dark in this moment when he goes before God, but he is in the dark in his own life in many ways. At this point in the story, Zechariah and Elizabeth have been unable to have children and may or may not have immediate family around them, which means they may or may not have someone to care for them now that they're getting older. As Zechariah feels his way around the pitch black room, his mind is probably feeling its way around the question, who is going to care for us? Zechariah is preparing for retirement. He can't keep this up very much longer. It's demanding to be a priest, but has he saved enough? Does he have enough? As Zechariah strains to see the one faint candle in the dark, his spirit is straining to figure out, does he have enough support for what's coming next? Not to mention, just outside the temple walls, the country is occupied by a foreign pagan empire. Everyone is struggling under the weight of Caesar's taxes, and he is tired of praying and praying for things to get better and nothing changing. His personal future in this moment is bleak. He's worried about his people. He's worried about his wife. He's worried about himself. He's scared of tomorrow, and he has no answers for any of it. In this moment when he should be standing before the bright presence of God, Zechariah is lost in the dark in almost every way imaginable. And that is where Christmas begins. With someone lost, not just in a dark room, but lost in a dark night of the soul, struggling to keep their eyes fixed on a single faint light from God in the dark. Darkness would have been a very ominous sign for Zechariah, just as darkness means nothing good for us still today. From Genesis to Revelation, one of the most enduring and timeless symbols the Bible uses is the symbolism of light and dark. On the one hand, light was always a symbol of God, of joy, of truth, and of hope. Think about Psalm 119 saying, God's word is a lamp for my feet, a light to my path, or the heavenly city in, in a Revelation where people will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give them light. 
And on the other hand, darkness has usually been a symbol of struggle, of hardship, of suffering, oppression, even of death. Think about Job losing himself in despair, saying, I spread out my bed in the realm of darkness. Or Paul telling the Thessalonians, you are children of light, we are not of the night or of the darkness. Even today, thousands of years after the Bible was finished being written, that symbolism is still with us. We wear black mourning clothes, but white bridal dresses. We watch movies about heroic Jedi who fight the dark side, and old cowboy westerns where the bad guy always wears a black hat, and the good guy always wears a white hat. And in that symbolism of light and dark, the great hope of our faith as Christians, as John puts it, is the hope that a light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's what the gospel story really comes down to. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, the one who gives the light of life and makes us into children of light. That's what the Christmas story comes down to. From magi following a bright star on a dark road to shepherds seeing the glory of the Lord in a dark field, Christmas is the story about how a people living in darkness have seen a great light so the question is, why in the world does the Christmas story begin in the dark? Why was God's presence in the Holy of Holies like an endless night? Why would God allow Zechariah to be lost in the dark in such an awful and personal way? Why does God sometimes leave us lost in the dark? Those are not easy questions to answer. However, there is one detail, one bit of context that needs to be added to the story. Because in spite of all the ways that we're taught to think about light and dark in terms of good and evil, and for all the ways that Zechariah may have seemed lost in the dark of the Holy of Holies in Scripture, darkness does not mean the total absence of God. It's true, most of the time, Scripture keeps to that traditional symbolism of light and dark as good and evil, but not always. Far from it, the more you dig around and start to explore the scriptures, the more you find places in the Bible like Isaiah 43, where the prophet recognizes that God isn't just responsible for the light, but for the dark too. Or places like Psalm 139, where the psalmist can give thanks to God, knowing that even in the darkness, it is not dark to you, Lord. The night shines like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And even in the temple of Jerusalem, that menacing, disorienting, pitch-black darkness in the Holy of Holies was never meant to symbolize the absence of God, but incredibly, the darkness of the Holy of Holies was meant to represent the overwhelming presence of God. 
all the way back in the Old Testament, even in 1 Kings 8, when Solomon first dedicated the temple in Jerusalem, there was this remarkable moment in 1 Kings 8 when the priests withdrew from the holy place and the cloud filled the temple of the Lord and the priests could not perform their service because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled his temple. And then Solomon said, the Lord has said that he would dwell in a dark cloud. I have indeed built a magnificent temple for you, a place for you to dwell forever. I mean, did anybody catch that? At this significant moment in the text, the glory of the Lord is not a blinding light or happy thoughts. The glory of the Lord was found in a dark cloud. The bizarre darkness and the disorienting cloud wasn't the terrifying absence of God. It was God. When you stepped into the Holy of Holies, you were enveloped, you were wrapped up in an ominous, unexpected, dark cloud, but not because you were so far from God, but because the Lord was holding on to you so tightly. And that's just it. That's the miraculous twist. That's the wonderful surprise. That's the unexpected good news about the dark place where Christmas begins. Zechariah may have thought he was lost in the dark, trying his best to follow the light, but it turns out Zechariah was surrounded by God the whole time. In spite of how things may appear, this is not a story about someone who's far from God because they're so lost in the dark. No, this is a story about someone who thought they were lost and thought they were trapped in the dark, but someone who was being held by God all along. Zechariah may have felt overwhelmed by the dark, but the good news is God was in the dark, whether he could see it or not. Zechariah may have felt anxious, frightened, helpless, even desperate in his own life, but the good news is God was standing beside him in all his struggles, whether he felt it or not. And Zechariah may have thought that there was only a single small light to guide him in the dark, but the good news is the light was on and shining all around him all along. The darkness we so often see in our world and the darkness we sometimes feel in our own lives is not the absence of God, but incredibly sometimes it's in the dark that our God draws closest to us. And it's in the dark that God comes to bring Zechariah a new light, a new reason to be hopeful, a new reason to be thankful, a new reason to be joyful, a new life that he never expected to find. And when all is said and done, maybe that's the real hope at the center of the Christmas story. It's not just that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, but that the light 
isn't the only place our God is with us. The light of God is always on and always around us, and especially in the dark. So no, Christmas doesn't begin where we think it does. Christmas doesn't begin with three kings on the road or shepherds keeping watch over flocks or with Mary and Joseph at a warm manger. Christmas begins with Zechariah. Christmas begins in the dark. But the miracle we celebrate in this season of light is that sometimes it's in the darkest moments of life that it turns out the light of God is closest to us. We just don't always see it. Even in the dark, the light is always shining. Even when we think we're lost, our God is always beside us. And even at night, the light is always on. And thanks be to God for it. Amen. Friends, please join me in prayer. Holy God, come and be our light in this season. Lord, in whatever we may go through in this life, in whatever darkness we may have faced in this past year, in whatever darkness we may face this morning, Lord, come and be our light that shines in every darkness and show us that your light has always been there, even in the dark. Lord, fill us with such good news of joy and excitement this Christmas season and give us the strength and the faith to keep the light on that we may be your light in this world. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Again, we want to thank you for joining us today. I hope you have a safe and blessed week. God bless and go in peace.